It's the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Jeffrey Grossenbach, January 21st, 2008. It's been a while since the last Rails podcast, but I've got a ton of interviews lined up for the next month and already recorded. In fact, I went down to San Francisco at my own expense and interviewed a number of startups and individuals, including Engine Yard, Pivotal Labs, Heroku, Microplace, Airfree, Highgroove Studios, and Busy Mac Software. Not going to do these in any particular order except for maybe time-sensitive information, starting with Ezra Zygmuntowicz of Engine Yard. So, Ruby on Rails podcast, last day for me in San Francisco, and uh, couldn't leave San Francisco without stopping at the new beautiful offices of Engine Yard. Talk to Ezra Zygmuntowicz. So how are you liking San Francisco? You moved here like a month ago? I moved here in uh, October. <clears throat> I'm loving it so far. Lots of smart Ruby people down here. I was kind of missing out there up in Spokane. There's maybe the Ruby meetup was like three people at my house or something, you know? <laughs> so down here, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Now, I was hoping to get the scoop, but you uh, decided to blog about it last week that Engineer has got some funding. Yep. And... Now, Engineer was already quite profitable. Yep. Why did you take funding? What kind of things are you hoping to do with that? So, yeah, so we, we've bootstrapped ourselves off about 140 k of angel money uh, in 2006. And we're, you know, opened our doors for business in October of 06, and we're profitable by January. And we've been growing since then. And we didn't really go looking for investment. They kind of came after us a little bit. And... Uh, after talking with them some, we kind of, you know, the hosting company is always going to be a huge part of our business, and it's been what's gotten us this far. But there's some really interesting things that we're going to be able to do now by taking a little bit of money. Uh, namely, you know, hiring all these people to work on Rubinius, uh, working on Merb full-time, and uh, working towards a whole engine yard open-source technology stack that people will be able to run even on other hosting companies or other cloud computing platforms or whatever. So it's pretty exciting. We get to, you know, we've been hosting Ruby on Rails applications for a number of years now. So we've seen, you know, all the really good parts of that and all the bad. And I'm really excited to have an opportunity to, like, make the platform a better platform for everybody with Rubinius and, and Merb and working on rails and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's pretty cool. So it sounds like a lot of that is actually, it's going to benefit the community as a whole yep. is, would you say maybe half of, of the uh, investment is going to go toward building new clusters and things like that? Or is it going to be primarily uh, toward these open source projects? It's mainly just to give us a nice cushion. So where we can explore all these kind of things, uh, We've got separate from the the VC money. We've already we just we closed a two and a half million round of lease capital for equipment. So we've already before we took the VC money, we're already expanding our we're we're opening we're, right now. All of our clusters are in Sacramento in a data center, and just to this weekend, we're starting to set up our new data center in Secaucus, New Jersey, at Equinix, and then by March, we'll have a third data center in the UK with clusters in each place and eventually, you know, be able to offer really large sites the ability to do geographic load balancing and all that kind of fun stuff. So, because as, you know, 
as we have a more serious offering here, we're seeing more and more really big companies getting into Rails as a platform and needing you know serious infrastructure for it. So, uh, so that's all going really well. And before, even before we took the money, we were, we were we've grown to 32 people worldwide uh, working on all this stuff. And that includes the Rubinius developers and everything now. So we hired them right before we actually closed on the money. But uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I think we are positioned pretty well to make a big difference in the whole future of Ruby here. Now, how's that been for you? I mean, uh, I'm glad I don't see you in a stuffy tie <laughs> and uh, in a three-piece uh, Wall Street suit, but uh, do you th- you're definitely still doing a lot of development in yep. Merb, I want to ask you about in a minute, and, uh, you know, definitely blogging here and there, mm-hmm. but you must be doing quite a lot of uh, business-related stuff now that you have all these brilliant programmers uh, working for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not so much of a businessman, so but I've learned a lot like through this whole process. You know, uh, you know, lawyers. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, lawyers are fun. I guess. All that's, I, yeah. I'll put it. But uh, so I've learned a lot in that process. But you know, I, I've got to give props to to Tom and Lance, who are the the CEO and the CTO, because they have done most of the biz dev and and all that kind of suit and tie stuff that I really want no part of. Uh-huh. So, but I, I've, you know, I've watched from the sidelines and been learning a lot, but, uh, yeah, I think it's important to not let taking money like this change us in any way. You know, we've always been focused on the community with numerous open source projects and stuff. And, uh, this is just a way for us to, to execute our two or three year business plan in six months instead of years kind of thing. So you won't see me driving a Porsche anytime soon or anything like that. <laughs> so you've got this whole building. You're not going to have a helicopter pad on the top, or no, not yet, anyway. <laughs> so, okay, two things: Rubinius and Merb. Mm-hmm. Rubinius, uh, I've heard whispers about like a mod Rubinius that would run under, under Apache or maybe an Nginx and mm-hmm. be able to kind of manage an application, maybe even starting and stopping processes. Yep. Maybe even running like multiple. Uh, instances of Rails within a single uh, mongrel or, or something like that. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the, the current platform for running Rails applications, my favorite in any way with mongrel and Nginx, has proven to be a great platform, and it works well, but, it, you know, there is, still is a lot of pain for people in getting it set up perfectly, and, you know, it does just doesn't really work on shared hosting or even smaller VPS-style hosting or whatever, like as Rails grows and becomes this whole kitchen sink project, it requires such a huge amount of memory for per process that it becomes problematic to run multiple applications, especially ones that you know you're maybe just playing with and they don't get a lot of traffic. It's still expensive to keep that much stuff in memory all the time. So, uh, part of uh, so right now we have five full time people working on Rubinius. Uh, Evan himself, Ryan. Davis and Eric Hodel, Wilson Bilkovich and Brian Ford, and they're all doing excellent work. Like they're going to have it running Rails pretty soon, I think. You know, wow. they're already running Rake and IRB and Flexbox. Gems are just about running. Okay. Just as of yesterday, they can run RSpec 1.1 or whatever. So pretty exciting. I think as uh, as times go on, they're going to be running Rails pretty soon. But we're also uh, hiring a sixth person to work on Mod Rubinius. Okay, I can't. 
I don't know if he's. Ex- I think he's accepted already, but I can't say his name yet. But right. anyway, so we're still not entirely sure, like the what that architecture is going to look like. Whether it will be, you know, Mod Rubinius that manages separate Rubinius instances, or whether it's embedded in Apache itself or Nginx, or how it's going to work. But we're going to work on that and make it available to everyone. So. Uh, Hopefully that's going to solve some of the pain of people getting into Rails and Ruby as a platform on the web, having a dead simple just module for Apache like PHP or Python have. Uh, in what I do know so far is that we're going to base it on Rack, which is the Ruby web Christian server interface. Yeah. yeah, so it's similar to Mod Whiskey, WSGI that Python's all basing all their stuff around these days. It's built off the same spec, so because uh, that gives a lot of flexibility for writing Ruby web apps and frameworks. Like Merv is moving entirely to Rack, so it can be portable across all the different things. But uh, so yeah, it's gonna it's pretty exciting. We don't know exactly what the best way to do modern binnings is going to be yet. But uh, just this past week, Evan got multiple virtual machines per Rubinius process working, and each virtual machine runs in, on its own native thread. And each virtual machine has, can run mini Ruby green threads. Wow. So that's pretty exciting. They don't share, currently they don't share a heap or anything, so they're completely separate virtual machines. So you could load different applications into each one. And then they can communicate with an Erlang-style message passing between the VMs. So that's pretty exciting. There might be a way of running multiple Rails or Ruby applications in one process in separate address spaces uh, in, in a mod Rubinius style like that. So that might be a, a way to conserve on memory by, you know, the ideal w- way we'd like to be able to do it is to, you know, each instance of mod Rubinius could load like the framework, Rails framework, whatever, and then spawn off these extra VMs that load just the application code. Uh, th- you know, these are just early ideas, but doing it that way, well, you know, each instance of mod that worked in there, you'd have to you'd be using the same version of Rails applications to share but that might be a very good way to cut down on like the memory footprint of running a bunch of rails applications so now are you part of like the architecture of designing that or is it more just kind of evan leads those ideas and said yeah we should go with erlang style message parsing or is it more of a a conversation it's more like i was i was in the irc channel and some of uh someone was asking evan about you know multi-vms for process and native threads and stuff and he was kind of bragging oh i could probably do that in a day or something if i tried and people were like I dare you you know and, and like the next day i look in there and they're like talking about you know ruvinius colon colon vm dot spawn and like and it works and i'm i'm like wow that's you know it show it really shows the flexibility of the architecture for him to be able to do that like overnight and all of a sudden now he's got negative threads and many vms and stuff and so uh and yeah and then uh mental guy and and tony can't pronounce his last name, are working on an actor-based framework on top of this whole thing. So it's kind of like how Erling works, you know, actors that spawn and have mailboxes and listen for messages and all that kind of stuff. So pretty exciting, I think, for Rubinius, uh, the future. And so, you know, right now what they're focusing on is is making it Ruby first because it did, you know, in a lot of benchmarks, it's faster than, than MRI, but then in quite a few important ones it's a lot slower like string is still pretty slow but it gets better all the time and but their main focus is on making it ruby first you know once it's ruby then they can focus on making it fast 
and they have pretty clear paths for you know just-in-time compiling and native code compilation and a bunch of other stuff. So I think, yeah, I think it's a winner. Yeah. Well, how about MERB? You started that as a uh, kind of a fun little side project, and some people got excited about it, and uh, now you have a couple of MERB guys uh, doing full-time or part-time here working on MERB. Yeah. Uh, yeah, MERB kind of started as just a little hack to do you know, a little mongrel handler that could handle a bunch of uploads and then some simple templates, mongrel, and, you know, mongrel and ERB is what it used to stand for. And the name's kind of stuck at this point, even though it's evolved into its own whole it's framework. It's fun to say. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to say. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Merb is is definitely a partial ripoff of Rails as far as, you know, I love Rails and there's so many good ideas in it that are completely pioneering, but it's also gotten a little large and uh, I don't think that many people, you know, I don't think that everybody needs that whole stack all the time. And with Rails, there's... There's not a real good way to trim it down to a base system that isn't so big. It's kind of all or nothing. So MERB is is uh, is a framework that it, you know it's targeted at being fast. It's a lot. It's quite fast, especially now, and it's targeted at being modular. So it doesn't tie you to Active Record, although you can use Active Record. You can use any other ORMs, Data Mapper, or SQL. Or you could use like CouchDB or ThruDB or something, since it doesn't really care what you use for persistence. So it's, you know, uh, Rails is going to be around for a long time and people are going to use that. But I think that Merb ha- has a real good position for being a, a platform for web services and, and applications that need, that have some more performance critical sections of them. And uh it uses a lot less memory than Rails since it's just a lot less code. It's basically it's basically the only reason it's faster is that it's a lot less code to execute, a lot less code to load into memory to do pretty much the same thing that Action Pack does. Uh, and you're cutting that down even more. Uh, you've got Merb Core, yeah. and that's just going to be the bare minimum to get it up off the ground, and then people can add other yeah, enhancements so, and plugins around that. Yeah, so we've been working on that for the last <clears throat> couple of weeks here. So MERBCore is the rack abstraction. So we've got adapters for Mongrel, Evented Mongrel, Webrick, FastCGI, Thin, Ebb, CGI, Light, Lightspeed, and Modrubinius eventually. You know, so it gives you a real nice portability across whatever platform you're running on. And then, so MERBCore is the rack adapters, the router, the controllers and views, and the dispatcher. So, and it's got, and it's ER, it's eRubis and Haml are all built in. And we've taken a, a different approach to rendering now that makes it very, very fast. Like when you first boot the server, all of your templates are compiled into methods. And so there's never any hitting the file system for templates anymore. And they're all just method calls basically. So it makes it really fast. Um, so that's basically what's going to be in Merb Core is the, the whole framework for for controllers and views, the dispatcher, router, and the, the rack abstraction, and that's about it. And you'd be able to write. It's also, we've also abstracted the application layout. So now you can have, you can take MerbCore and you can have a single file app by just making a directory with an application.rb and a templates directory. 
and then you can just put your your router definition and your bunch of couple controllers or whatever and some views and just have a simple app and then it also comes with a preset it'll still support the old uh, application layout which is kind of similar to rails since there's so much tooling for that it made a lot of sense to just use the same layout but it'll also open up some flexibility for people who want to do different styles of application layout maybe they want to do multiple app routes and have kind of segregated out into little applets or whatever uh, so we're just you know like it's really hard to make sweeping changes to rails just because everybody depends on it and they would really be upset if their applications just break for no reason so the idea with re-architecting Merv is to kind of take a step back and look at what are some of the shortcomings and how we can fix that so we have a more scalable API for the future. So part of that is the way we're testing the framework. We split it up into public, semi-public, and private specs. And the public API specs, will, will we won't break, and you can depend on those. The semi-public ones are on the border a little bit more, and the private ones allow us to refactor the internals so we can like completely refactor as long as we don't break the public and semi-public specs. Nice. So this allows us a lot of flexibility in the future because if you're messing with our private specs in your plugins or whatever, it's I mean you're just going to have to deal with it when we break it. But we're not going to break your public interface. So yeah, I just think I just think that it's going to allow a lot of flexibility. And then, so, you know, Rails is all about convention over configuration, and that's gotten it a long ways because people can just say, you know, Rails my app, and it makes all the decisions for you and gives you sane defaults and everything. And so some people worry that Mervis are going to be too flexible and there's too many choices to make. And so people, you know, like the, in the Python world, there's just so many web frameworks and different pieces you can piece together. So uh, to, like, to deal with that, we're going to have, so we're going to have Merv Core, and the Merb More gem, and then we'll still have a Merb gem that will basically, when you gem install Merb, it'll install Core and More, okay. and like set you up with a default set of configs and app and plugins and everything, so you can get off the ground and running with like a, an opinionated stack. But It'll almost be like a Linux distro or something. Basically, yeah. So it's going to be the core, and then a lot of plugins. Like from the start, we're just going to make everything a plugin until it needs to be in core. And I think going this route will. You know, it will make a little bit more configuration maybe necessary for people, but I think that it allows for a longer-term scalable API that way and more flexibility for different kind of applications. One of the things I was excited about, I think it may be in Merv 0.5 that's already released, but you've got like render and run to where you can actually render a string and then pass a block that mm -hmm. is called after the response has been sent back to the browser. Right. The, uh, you know, mongrels or whatever can now handle a new request and that block can yep. can get called it seems like for many situations that could replace a queuing server or other kinds of things yeah in for, order to take for, things out of the web request yeah cycle. I mean, if you got some if you got some things you know some something you need to do that's going to take a few seconds or whatever you know you still don't want to be like running some minute long cvs import or something in this thing but if you had you know, something you want to render and get the result back to the client right away and then continue on and do a little, <clears throat> a little bit of work or whatever, that's kind of perfect for that. And, uh, yeah, it just, like, there's, like, with, you know, Rails on Mongrel is, like, the platform to be using, but there's a big disconnect between 
the output from Rails and the input to Mongrel in that, like if you ever use send file or send data from Rails, it will actually buffer that all into a string I.O. before it gives it to Mongrel. So there's no way to do streaming. Um, but Merb isn't like that. It's got a couple different ways of doing streaming. And so that allows a bunch of interesting things like you can have a Merb app be a proxy between S3 and your client so that they hit your Merb app and authenticate and it talks to S3 and starts streaming down from S3 and starts streaming to the client at the same time. So uh, there's a number of things you can do like that when you have closer access to the, to the response built in. So yeah, that allows for some interesting possibilities, I think. Well, very exciting. It's great to see what you're doing at Engine Yard, and uh, you know, definitely community appreciates that uh, as well as your customers. I'm sure you've also got a book coming out, which I contribute to a little bit. Yeah, uh, available in beta now. It's in beta now, print, and uh, I think we're. I think we should have the one of the final sets of beta chapters coming out very shortly with uh, MySQL, Master Slave, and Master Master replicated setups, and a few other advanced stuff, the Nginx and Apache uh, proxying stuff. So yeah, it's going to be finished up pretty soon. It's been a long, long time in the works, but Rails yeah, deployment think... has changed like oh, yeah. every few months for a long time here. So it's the beta book process has really proven its worth on this one. So deploying Rails, <laughs> pragmatic programmers. Yep. Beta now out in a little bit. Yep. Well, thanks a lot. Cool. Thank you, Jeff. Rails Podcast is sponsored by Peep Code Screencasts. New screencast on RSpec user stories at peepcode.com.